For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Three, two, one. Welcome in, Husker Extra Podcast. It's Parker and Chris this week. Uh, our esteemed colleague, Mr. Sippel, is, is taking the week off, a well-deserved week off. So Parker and I are holding down the fort here. We'll talk a little football today. We'll talk a lot of baseball today, regional uh, sites were announced today. Nebraska, not among those. We'll talk a little hoops. We'll kind of hit on everything, even though it's kind of a slow part, slow part of the calendar. Um, yeah. But as always, you know, let's just maybe get right into it with football. And like we said, it's, it's quiet right now, but we know that the, uh, the noise is coming next month with, with official visits and, and those sorts of things. And Nebraska with a, with a 2022 class needs to get filled out. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting. Well, I mean, it's quiet right now. There's just not a whole lot um, that's going on. I mean, we've spent the week sort of going positionally through the defense, what we learned this spring. Um, Going to do a sort of updated projected depth chart over the weekend. But, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot going on. It's sort of, like you say, Baz, it's like the calm before the storm because on June 1st, um, the dead, you know, recruiting dead period ends for the first time since mid-March and basically all help is going to break loose. There's going to be official visitors. There's going to be unofficial visitors. They've, the NCAA has sort of green lighted this, like any player on an unofficial visit can uh, do a private one hour workout with the coaching staff because they've had so little in-person evaluation time over the past year and a half. So you're going to have kids that staffs really want coming to campus on visits and, and committing and, and, and all that. And then you're going to have guys who maybe you want to learn more about come in and work out and maybe earn an offer, maybe not, you know, it's just going to be kind of all out. It's like Ryan Held said during spring ball. said I told my wife, I'll see her in a month, uh, yeah. you know, in, in July, basically after that. So that's all coming. Uh, we know of about a dozen official visitors Nebraska has on the books uh, right now, but for now, it's kind of quiet outside of kids getting those visits lined up and 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 coaching staffs trying to figure out, you know, when to have the big groups of visitors on campus. It's 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 funny because it's quiet now, and then June's going to be like you say, just an absolute madhouse, and then July is just going to be like really quiet again because everybody's going to go on vacation and like actually get out and do something with their lives for the first time in two years. So it it will be. Like, it'll be hilarious because there'll be basketball recruits on campus, football recruits, every, every sport, baseball, yep. volleyball. Like, they'll all probably be flying on the same flights into Lincoln. And, like, Nebraska's just going to have the fleet of, of SUVs lined up at the airport to, to take the kids over to the football stadium or Pinnacle Bank or Haymarket Park. So, yeah, there's a – it's coming hot and heavy. And it's, it's true for football. It's true for basketball. Uh, we know they're going to have a lot of official visitors. They've already got a few lined up. Um, Isaac Trout being one of those, uh, the kid. I've heard of him. Yeah. You may have heard of him. Um, he's among a group and I don't know the exact number, but it's, it's growing to double digits pretty quickly. Um, I think so it's, yeah, it's going to be that it's that time of year and 
it's it's critical, obviously, because you actually get to see kids again, of course. But Nebraska, for football, they they don't have a lot of signees for that 2022 right. class yet. It's obviously still very early. It's it's the spring of 2021, but it's it's time to start making headway there, and and we'll see a lot of that here, uh, basically in two weeks, I suppose. It's interesting because they were they started to kind of get it rolling a little bit with Ernest Hausman from Columbus, the linebacker was the first one, and then. Victor Jones Jr., the receiver from from Florida, who they've known about forever, jumped on board. And then once the um, NCAA sort of like said officially that the dead period was going to end, the number of commits has really um, dropped off, I think, all over college football. And that's because, I mean, I think it it goes both ways. It's because players know that they're going to be able to get to go see campuses. And so they're like, it's close enough to June 1st, I might as well just wait and go see schools. And then I think schools are doing that too, where it's like, if you're not absolutely sure about a kid, like why not just basically slow play it until they get to come to campus and you can see them for yourselves, especially now that you can work kids out. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense. So I think you've seen, I don't, I don't, I think the numbers reflect this nationally, a pretty significant dip in, in the number of kids that have committed in the past few weeks, but man, it's going to explode in June. I mean, I don't think then, so you've got this sort of like the water building up behind the dam. And once it starts to go in June, then you're going to get kids that feel like, okay, I need my spot in a class. And so I think there's going to be a rush all over the place. One of the, we can talk about this briefly. One of the spots where that timing it's really interesting with Nebraska is that quarterback um, because MJ Morris was on campus from Atlanta uh, for the spring game. Loved it. Also is pretty heavily considering Georgia tech and NC state. I don't know if you could pick a favorite between those, um, but Nebraska has got a couple other quarterbacks that it also likes Richard Torres from, from San Antonio uh, and AJ Bianco from Honolulu sort of chief among them both those guys want to get to campus in June. I think Torres is set for the first week. And then I'm not sure Bianco, you know, at some point, probably that month. Um, And so like the question is, neither of those guys have been to campus. The staff hasn't been able to evaluate either of those players in person. They haven't been able to evaluate Morris in person either, but at least he was, he's been to Lincoln, whereas the other two haven't. So it's the question is like, you know, MJ Morris told me right after the spring game that he thought he'd decide in mid May. Now it's, looking more like late May or maybe into June after his school year ends there in the baseball playoffs, all this stuff is going on. Yeah. But the question there is like, he's sort of in the lead right now for the set, like just timing wise for the simple fact that he's been to campus, he knows what it looks like, but you know, if it goes through the first weekend of June or if Nebraska pushes it into June um, in terms of, you know, being adamant that they want to be able to evaluate uh, one or all three of those guys in person before they accept a commitment. Um, It's going to get interesting pretty fast. So that's like just one example out of, I'm sure hundreds around the country of like kids that like coaching staffs really like, like Nebraska's policy, Mario Verduzco's policy has always been that if they offer a quarterback, the offer is committable right now, tomorrow, whenever, uh, until there's one in the class that might be the case right now, but I think the ideal for them is probably seeing these guys in person in a couple of weeks. So it's a really, you're sort of like teetering on the edge where there's, there's not a ton happening right now, 
but I think the wheels are really turning behind the scenes at all schools and all positions. And then it's going to get pretty nutty. I think when the calendar turns. Yeah. Well, and, and quarterback, especially, right. Like you can't, you can't afford to miss, right. It's, it's too important. And, and especially with the, the situation Nebraska is going to be in next year, basically, you know, assuming Adrian Martinez doesn't come back for another year, you know, with two pretty unproven guys, uh, behind him and Henrik Harbour, Heinrich Harburg and and um, and Logan Smothers, so yeah, you you have to get that right. You have to be able to see those guys. And of course, you want to see guys at every position. You want to see how a how a linebacker works in space or how a defensive back can move his hips and, and get going and change direction. But quarterback is just so important, and we know how important it is to Nebraska's offense. So yeah, being able to get those guys on campus massively important. Um, same same for basketball. If you want to get a point guard on campus. How does, how can he run an offense? You know, how does he fit into what you want to do? So that's, you're right. It's, and we all have our opinions on, on the recruiting world. I certainly have mine. I'm not a, not a fan of all that, but it, it, it makes, like you said, it makes for a fascinating several weeks here coming up uh, for football first and foremost and, and quarterback first and foremost, but also for, for every sport and just seeing those kids in person again. There's a, there's some guys, every school, has their guys that they would probably take a commitment from even without seeing them. And I would imagine for Nebraska, one of them's down in, in uh, Hayes, Kansas with Jaron Kanek, who's a, could play either side of Nebraska's interested in him in either side of the ball. I talked to, okay. So Jaron Kanek, some of you probably know the name, some may not. Um, he's, uh, he's six, two, two, ten. He and his best friend, Gavin Myers are both uh, power five prospects in Hayes, Kansas, which is like, 5,000 person town. So two, two in one class in Hayes, which is pretty cool. Uh, Kanik, well, I talked to him earlier this spring, he had just run 10, six, seven in the hundred at 210 pounds. Moving. And he was like, he was like, yeah, that was my first track meet of my high school career. And I was <laughs> like, how is that possible? What? Uh, yeah. Like, did you just decide <laughs> to run track? And he said, no, no, I love track, but he had injuries that held him out his entire eighth grade spring and freshman spring. And then his sophomore spring track got canceled because of COVID. So he went out there the first track meet he's ever run in in high school and ran 10, six, seven. And then uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago, he ran 10, three, seven in the hundred. The video is, which is a, I saw somebody on Twitter, I think, pointed out that that's the same time that um, that uh, DK Metcalf, yeah. the Seattle Seahawks receiver, yeah. ran at the U.S. trials. It would have been ninth in the Olympic trials. So yeah. that's moving. moving. I don't. That's moving. I didn't see an indication of what the wind was doing or whatever, but it doesn't matter because doesn't matter. You're on a ten seven in high school, yeah, and it doesn't fast. matter if you're two hundred ten pounds or one hundred and fifty yeah. pounds or whatever. You're you're booking it. So yeah, freak, just a total freak show athlete. And this is a good, this is a good, a good chance to segue, segue, I think, um, into the Nebraska has been releasing their training, their off season training oh, yeah. this year. Yeah. And I noticed it looks like one came out right as we were getting started here, the, the yeah. squat and hang clean, uh, came out today and, uh, just glancing down the list. I see Cam Jurgen squatted 723 pounds. Just like um, you do, right? Just like I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mr. Jackson, the former Navy SEAL, squatted 644. He had the he had the most points in their strength index. Uh, Jackson, Damian Jackson, 
hand clean 385, squatted 644. So he had a little over 1,100 points uh, in, in Nebraska's system. Um, Cam Jurgens hand clean 405, squatted 723. Phelan Sanford makes another appearance on the list. Uh, Deontay Williams makes another appearance on the list. Chris Kolarovich and, and Cam Taylor Brett on, on there as well. So yeah, it's a pretty steady group of, I mean, all of the performance and strength index numbers like Kolarovic, uh, Kolarovic, Deontay Williams, Jurgens, and Phelan Sanford. I think we're on all of them in the top 10 for all of them. And Cam Taylor Britt was all for all but one, maybe. So yeah, I think I think uh Jojo Doman's been right there. Yep. Other than the other than this one, I think he's he's been yep. on all of them. So it, it, you you kind of had an idea probably going into it who some of the names were gonna be. Like you knew Jojo Doman was a a pretty freaky athlete. You knew Cam Jurgens was a pretty freaky athlete, Cam Taylor Britt, but there's always those guys, and this even goes back to the old days when when they would release these numbers under Tom Osborne and and Boyd Epley, and you have a guy like Phelan Sanford come strolling in off the ranch out in Bankelman and and, and throw up you know 500 in the squad or whatever. What Phelan San- Sanford is a perfectly legitimate storyline to talk about on May 14th, uh, in part because I, I don't want I mean I don't want to make too big a deal out of testing numbers, but in addition to the testing numbers, he was running with the number twos at corner um, during the spring game. Now you could, that's in part because they, they've had injuries at corner. Um, the dad, Joseph didn't play because of an injury. Taman Lynham was out most of the spring with an injury. Marquise Buford, the freshman missed all of spring with an injury and they've got Malik Williams coming in the summer. So that, that room has some depth issues at the moment, but you know, he did a nice job of taking advantage of those opportunities. So it was Cam Taylor Britt and, and Quentin Newsom, as we expected on the red. And then the starting corners for the white were Braxton Clark and, and Phelan Sanford. And Sanford was one of those guys who like, you don't, you don't think about when you think about the guys who are going to be like core special teams players for Nebraska, he might not be the first guy you think of, but he played the, he, he appeared on special teams the last five games of last year. Um, he had a, he's got an interesting route to Nebraska, not only is he a, a Bankelman kid who was at Dundee Stratton uh, High School and won six track stake titles there yep. uh, overall, but then he went to Hastings for his freshman year. Um, so he didn't even, he wasn't even a Nebraska walk-on right out of high school. He went to Hastings for a year and then transferred to UNL. So he's like the, he's got a, a very uh, quintessentially Nebraska route um, to being not only one of the top performers in their strength and performance index testing, but a guy who, you know, some way, shape or form um, is, is going to be on the field at some point this fall, you know, pro- probably mostly special teams, but you never know you run into some depth issues at corner and he's not all that far down the list at this point. Yeah. Well, and those testing things can probably tell you a lot about who's going to be on special teams, right? Yeah, probably you've got yeah. a guy like Phelan Sanford, who's, who is obviously strong, can run agile, Yep. can do all the things athletically that you need a guy to do on special teams without having to put, you know, Cam Taylor Britt out there on special teams, for example, yep. or whatever it may be. He, he's, he's in a similar athletic category, not the same, of course, but similar to what a Cam Taylor Britt or a Deontay Williams. And that just, that gives you depth. And he's a Nebraska kid. So, you know, he's going to go out there and run down the field with his hair on fire, you know, same as, you know, a, a he's got plenty of hair to be on fire too. Well, that's, that's true. He's got great hair. Um, there's a, we saw, we saw a video of him 
throwing a calf in, into the shoot today too on Twitter. He 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 tweeted out some of that and just couldn't be him. more. It just couldn't be more. Uh... Couldn't be more perfect, could he? It was it was beautiful because Phelan Sanford tweets out this this video. He's in the muddy he's in the muddy corral and grab, grabs the calf and chucks it down the chute. And then then a little while later, here comes Cam Jurgens in the in the Wranglers and the cowboy boots doing a slide protection, trying to get a steer to go back into the pen the other way and moving him back and forth. So it's just like it's like if if it's almost like this stuff is coordinated with with an nil potentially thing happen and a, and a athletic department that supports that. So I mean, it's the just hype train is off the tracks. Now well, we've had two farm videos on the same day. It's careening through the pasture at this point uh, with all the farm videos coming out. So no, but it's, it's just, it's just funny to see Cause you're right. Like, obviously we know Cam Jurgens is like a freak athlete, we know. And then get a kid like this, Phelan Stanford, maybe he goes down and causes a fun. Maybe he's like in the, the next Luke Reimer, you know, who, who caused a fumble in his first, his first first kickoff wasn't it at Colorado? Yeah. Yep. First time he got on the field, so maybe maybe you find a kid like that at Diamond in the Rough. So, yeah, that's kind of where we're at uh, football wise. It's quiet until June, and and we're just we're just hang, we're salivating over testing numbers right now. It feels good to to get back to normal. That's great. <laughs> a little bit in that. Any, any other football stuff we need to cover here before we move on and, and yell no. about baseball? The next no, the next segue. The next segue <laughs> is is you know guys putting up impressive numbers. I sent you the, I sent you the screenshot this morning that baseball America has uh, had an updated top 400 draft prospects that I was scrolling through this morning and Spencer Schwellenbach had risen from number 151 in their last rankings to number 70 this time around. So that's like, that's a third round draft pick if you're scoring at home. Yeah. That's pushing toward the end of the second, right? With yeah. The pushing into the second. Balance, yeah. Uh, picks work. Yeah. 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 With supplemental picks and, and yeah. stuff like that, I suppose. Yeah. It's into the second, into the third round. So yeah. it, it's hilarious. And I, I texted you back. Like it was, it was, it just struck me as funny a couple months ago. Well, it's like, Oh yeah, he's, there's no way he's coming back next year. And like, <laughs> you kind of went, huh? And you're like, Oh yeah, he's, he's really good. Yeah. So no, I like, it's to the point now where he's, He's so good that you almost take it for granted a little bit. Like he, he's going to come in and throw 95 on the mound after he plays seven or eight innings at shortstop and, and probably throws like three dudes out on impossible plays across the diamond from deep in the hole. And then last week, of course, goes over and plays first base and has the perfect relay throw home to, to save the game against Rutgers. Like he's just a – go ahead. I was thinking about that. That play, like how – I don't know what probably he would tell you that nothing went through his mind, but I imagine there's like the, this like split second of panic. If you're Will Bolt and you're watching your star player, who's got 52 pitches, high leverage pitches on his arm. Yeah. Taking that relay and getting ready to uncork it home. Like that's uh, <laughs> I mean, he's out there, you know, he's out there putting it on the line though. That's the thing. I mean, yeah. you love to well, see it. That, that's just a, not a, I don't want to say it's a dangerous play, but like, when I saw you tweet about the relay throw home, I was like, Oh, the guy who just pitched four innings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like, that's, that's baseball too. Right. Like you knew like the second that Schollenbach trotted over to first, oh, yeah. it was probably going to be in the middle or something. Whether it was going to find ball, you Well, the ball always finds you. And that's why Will Bolt puts them out there. Right. Like Will Bolt hasn't been shy about saying that. Yeah. Spencer Schollenbach's our best player. Like, and he's special. He's, he's a, great he's all this he's not he is speaking of hype trains like will bolt's been driving the spencer schwellenbach hype train and 
you know, when he was talking about it in the preseason, he, he's, he's been on the mound, he's out, lights out. We're kind of going, okay, yeah, like we've heard this before. Then that first time he comes out and you just go, whoa, whoa. 97, yeah. 97 down at Purdue and you're just going, holy crap. Dude. Like, Will Bolt wasn't lying. And he's Will like Bolt Nebraska's was- Shohei Otani. He, he seriously is. He seriously is. And like, he's just, he's a freak. Like he's, he's as good a player as Nebraska's had in a long, long, long time. Probably going back to the mid two thousands, you know, when Nebraska was regularly competing in regional super regionals, having a chance to go to college world series. He's that, he's that type of guy. Like he's a foundational piece and Will Bolt loves guys like that, right? Like he loves guys that want to be in the middle of it, that, that want, that want the ball that want to be at first base after they pitch and play short and have to make that relay throw home. Like he, that's what Spencer Schwellenbach is. And that's what a lot of those guys on that team are, but Spencer Schwellenbach just happens to have like top two or three round talent. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about a potential big 10 player of the year. You're talking about a potential national John Olerud award winner, which goes to the, the top two way player in the country every year. I think that, I think the trophy is just like a bad, like a bronze batting helmet that you wear like when you're playing first base like John Olerud used to do look up John yep. Olerud kids all you young kids come on come on, on kids John Olerud Toronto Blue Jays look it up but no he's a just a special player and like you talk to him and like he's just one of those guys when you talk to him you like you can tell he's a dude like it's just oh yeah I, I want the ball I want to be out there I want to be in that spot and I want to be that guy so yeah he'll be He'll be long gone next year, and he's going to get paid a lot of money to play baseball, and, and good for him. Uh, he's a he's a special player. And he might get to go on the road to play in an NCAA regional before his uh, time at Nebraska is up. Yeah, his last game at Nebraska will be May 30th, um, whether he wants it to be or not. Um, NCAA announced today there are 20 preliminary host sites uh, for regionals. And they'll whittle that down to 16 on May 31st when they announce the NCAA tournament field. They're doing it differently this year, of course. With COVID, they wanted to announce these sites a few weeks ahead of time so you can have you know, all your testing protocols in place and, and things like that and be ready to go. And Nebraska put in a bid last month. Will Bolt talked about it. And at the time, I think they were 20 and seven and starting to get ranked and starting to get national attention. You're thinking, okay, well, Nebraska might be back in the business of hosting regionals, which they haven't done since 2008. And we're going, man, that'd be awesome. Regional at Haymarket Park in June, like weather's going to be warm. We'll have great crowds. And this is awesome. And Nebraska kept winning. And then Rutgers came to town and swept them three games. And all of a sudden that went out the window. And you, you start looking at the teams that, that are in this preliminary list, seven AC or seven SEC teams. Of course, there's, that's no surprise. That was always going to happen. Three, three Big 12, three Pac-12, uh, I think three ACC, two or three ACC, and then some others sprinkled in there as well. And the one common thread among all these 20 schools is that they have, have all played non-conference games. And what do you know? What do you know? And, and if you'll recall, the Big Ten said, we are not allowing our schools to play non-conference games this year. They will play a conference-only schedule. So... What that means is not only is Nebraska not going to host, that means Michigan isn't going to host. That means Indiana isn't going to host or Iowa or Maryland. And that means your Big Ten champions at best going to be a two seed probably and playing on the road through through this whole thing because the super regional sites are going to come from these these 20 preliminary sites too. So you're talking about a power, a power conference, one of the most powerful conferences in the country, sending its league champion 
on the road for the entirety of the, well, sending all the teams to qualify for the NCAA yeah. tournament on the road for the entirety of the NCAA tournament. And that's nice. That's nice. And it's just like, it's a long, how much that had that play, how much the no, the no non-conference played into this, who knows, but you start digging into it and you realize it, it probably had something to do with it uh, because look, Nebraska couldn't go play, you know, Southern Miss, for example, who's yeah. a, who, they couldn't go play Gonzaga. Who's, who's a host. And if you look at Gonzaga's non-conference, they did, <coughs> excuse me, they did what, you know, Nebraska or Michigan or somebody else would have loved to do. They went down and played TCU at TCU, who's probably going to be the number two national seed, and took two or three from TCU. They proved it. They beat Kansas State. They beat Oregon State. They beat Washington, who made the CWS in 2019. They beat Washington State. They went on the road and beat all these teams. You know, Louisiana Tech, same thing. Played, had a strong non-conference. East Carolina's 33-10. and 10, has beaten North Carolina a couple times this year. They, they proved themselves in the non-conference. And yes, these teams have, have gaudy records. You can throw Charlotte in there, you know, Louisiana tech, Pittsburgh, these teams have been good in their leagues, but they've also proved it outside of the conference too. And, and that's, that makes, it makes what happened today for Nebraska, certainly. And, and for the other schools in the league, it makes it sting that much more because everybody knew when this schedule was announced, that was the first thing out of everybody's mouth. Well, it, they're, they're screwed because they're not playing non-conference games. They're not playing midweeks. And now look, now you're seeing the result of that. There's no Big Ten teams hosting. And, you know, in Nebraska, Michigan, Indiana are all going to have to go on the road and try and do it. Yeah, it's 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 tough because it's the, the non-conference thing. I mean, obviously it gives you a chance to build your own resume, but it also helps put in perspective other things that happen over the course of the season. Like if Rutgers puts together, I mean, Rutgers has been tough this year in the Big Ten if they put together a nice non-conference season like that getting swept is still by Rutgers at home is still going to be damaging to your resume. No doubt about it, but it might be slightly less damaging had Rutgers put together a non-conference schedule like it or record, like it appears they would have been capable yeah. of doing given how they yeah, played. The Rutgers goes so play. it's like, yeah, it's your own resume and it's, <laughs> It, it builds in context for other things that happen over the course of league play. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, if Rutgers goes and plays UConn, who's a traditionally a strong team in the Northeast and, and picks two or three or three or four from them, that makes it look different, you know, and now you're talking about not only are you not hosting, but let's say Nebraska finishes third in the big 10, third or fourth, they win 28, 29 games, whatever it may be. You're sweating. Come, yep. come May 31st, you might not even get in and you're going to be 28 and 16, 29 and 15. You know, the only guarantee the big 10 has right now is that their league champions getting in and that's it, you know, and you start looking down the RPIs of the schools in contention. Michigan's isn't good. Nebraska's is in the eighties right now. I believe Indiana's is low, you know, and so if you're looking at the third or fourth place team in the big 10 and you're comparing them to the, the, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth place team in the ACC or the Pac-12 or the SEC or the Big 12, who are you taking? You know, you're taking right. the team that played non-conference or you're taking the team that finished third in its league and didn't play anybody else. So it just – it shows you how fine the line is for Nebraska. And it shows you, too, how kind of short-sighted this decision by from the NCAA was because you're announcing these sites with three weeks left in the year – 
And who's to say Nebraska doesn't go out? They still play Michigan three times and play Indiana twice. Yeah. Plus, weekend against Northwestern. Who's to say Nebraska doesn't go, I don't know, wins 10 games down the stretch, you know, finishes 33 and 11. And no chance to host, but they got hot at the end of the year. Now you're going down to Fayetteville to play Arkansas or going down to TCU or whoever it may be. And you don't even have an opportunity to host, even though you're hot yeah. at the end of the year, which is what happened in 2005, basically. Nebraska got hot at the end of the year, hosted a regional, hosted a super regional, went to the CWS, you know? So it's, it just, it hurts the big 10 in so many different ways. And, you know, and Will Bolt would be the first to tell you, well, all we've got, we just got to take care of ourselves and we just got to win games. And that starts tonight, of course, with Northwestern. So you win enough games, it doesn't matter. But if you don't, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on these three games, the four games next week and the three games only in Michigan to end the year because the the margin for errors is basically zero unless you know you're going to win the league championship. So, fun times. Good luck. Right. Good luck, Nebraska. Good luck, Michigan. Good luck, Indiana. It's like being a big sky hoops team. Like, yeah, exactly. And look, let's let's be fair. Like most projections have three Big Ten teams getting in, but we all know what projections mean too at the end of the day. We don't know what the NCAA committee is going to yeah, decide. Yeah, especially. I mean, especially given. I mean, yeah, there's three Big Ten teams in the projections, but it's not like the it's not like the NCAA is the one putting out those projections. The NCAA yeah. clearly didn't think much of the Big Ten's candidates to host regionals. So who's to say that that line of thinking doesn't extend to how they exactly. think about the field in general. And, and now you're talking about, we mentioned Nebraska play, Nebraska, Indiana, Michigan, all three play each other down the stretch here. Indiana's at Michigan this weekend. What if all those three teams just beat up on each other and they all go three and three against yeah. each other, whatever, what, however the numbers work out, then what, then where are you at? You know, nobody really gained any ground or anything. So <coughs> it's just maybe a it'll tough, be like tough. the, maybe it'll be like the mid season ad to the uh, awards watch list or something like they'll, They'll stick Michigan on like, oh, guy's got 50 catches six games in the year. He should probably be on the Bolitnikoff list. Like yeah, exactly. It's hot and they so, yeah. Sorry, guys. It's 21. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, Michigan's won 12 in a row. That's well, we'll throw them in there. We'll make them the 14 seed. So I doubt it. No. Yeah, it, it won't happen. Um, it's just it's a tough spot. It is what it is. Um, I'm sure if you got Will Bolt and staff behind closed doors, they'd they'd be happy to share their feelings about how they think it went, but they're going to, they'll fight the good fight and they'll tell their guys, look, we got to worry about tonight against Northwestern. And, and then we got to worry about tomorrow. And then we got to worry about Sunday and then we'll worry about next week. And winning solves a lot, winning solves a lot of problems. If Nebraska keeps winning, they'll be fine. But at the end of the day, like we said, the only guarantee is if you win the league. So, I mean, that's goal number one for Nebraska right now. And that's what makes all these games just so hugely important down the stretch. So there's some baseball talk for you. How about that? How about that? We're talking about a baseball podcast now. This is a baseball pod. You want to talk about the Brewers or anything? No, no, nothing to talk about. We can't. We well, don't there's need to no talk. Off, there's no offense to speak of, so it'd just be about the offense is offensive. You might yeah. say. The, yeah, um, we won't talk about. The, they're the uh, the Brewers trio of starting pitchers, and the, they just lost two of three to the Cardinals. Three starting pitchers combined for 19 and two thirds. Um, two earned runs, nine hits, two earned runs. runs, two earned runs, uh, one walk, <laughs> two, nine hits, two walks over 19 innings, uh, um, 27 strikeouts, and they lost a series. So, God, That's they had brutal. two different starter. Well, actually, that's no, not true. Um, 
Freddie Peralta pitched seven innings and one hit ball. And then Corbin Burns was uh, five in his first start back in two weeks with um, one hit and nine strikeouts or four hits and nine strikeouts. And they lost both. So that's great. Yeah. Matt, uh, Matt Harvey. Is it Matt Harvey, the Mets ace? No, not Matt Harvey. Um, oh, DeGrom. Yeah. Jacob DeGrom. You can relate to that. Corbin, Corbin Burns is at 1.71 or something ERA for the year with 59 strikeouts and one walk. And That's, he's uh, two and four. God. <laughs> four, in the four games he's lost, he, he's lost four times this year in Milwaukee, scored a grand total of one run in those four. Oh, God. All right. Well, there's your Brewers. Not bitter at all. There's a the baseball talk. Yeah. Well, we'll finish this thing off with a little hoops. Um, Bryce McGowan's. The uh, five-star recruit, younger brother of Trey McGowan's coming in uh, this summer. He'll be here in a month, probably a little less. Played in the Iverson Classic uh, last weekend, kind of a, an all-star showcase. One of the big ones this summer is everything else kind of got put on hold by COVID and everything else. And I think had a pretty solid weekend. Um, yeah. He finished second in the three-point shooting contest. Um, didn't get many minutes. Had six points in six minutes in the actual game. So he was efficient. But you start reading some of the the analysis to come out of that, and and he really helped himself. Um, was showed showed some impressive abilities offensively, showed a decent amount defensively. Obviously, there's work that that you can do there, but he was not out of place uh, playing with the best players in the country. And we're talking, you know, Chet Holmgren, you know, the number one recruit in the country, Paulo Benchero. All, all the big names are there. Love some, love me some Paulo Banchero. It's a great name. It's the best name. The, the top two players this year had great names with Chet and, and Paulo Banchero. So, but yeah, I mean, look, Bryce McGowan's fit in with those dudes. It wasn't like he was swimming in the deep water or anything like that. Like this is a, this is a legit talent coming in and a, and a guy that's really going to help Nebraska in some form or another, whether that's starting right away, whatever it may be. He's going to play a lot um, this year. So I think that was really encouraging. And, and certainly Fred Hoiberg and Matt Abdelmassi knew what kind of talent they had there. They, they scout and they do all the work on that. But I think to see it proven on that stage, even in limited minutes, it shows you that, that they got a guy. And yeah. it's going to be, I think, really interesting to see how he fits in here. It's so interesting to read, like, Jonathan, the Jonathan Gavonis of the world and, like, a guy who's not on campus yet, I mean, this is the way of the world in basketball um, with guys like this, but Nebraska just hasn't had one. It's so interesting that the guy's never – I mean, he's he gets to campus this summer. He's never worn a Nebraska uniform in a game before. And all of the analysis you read about him is through the NBA lens already. Yeah. It's like, here's what here's the professional prospects. Like, the guy hasn't even played in college yet. That's obviously just – that's life in, in hoops. But um, I was reading it, and I was like, oh, yeah, they're talking about him like – in terms of the NBA, not. Well, I saw someplace had him as a, as a first round pick, like the 15th pick on the 2023 draft. So think about that kid that's never played here might be the highest NBA draft pick Nebraska's ever had. uh, If things keep turning the way they are. So we'll see. Got to get here. Got to stay healthy. I do all those things, but yeah, it looks like Nebraska's got a guy. Oh, well I'll pass on one more basketball story. We were talking about this before we came on. This is pretty funny. Uh, Wilhelm, Wilhelm Breidenbach, the uh, the six nine forward from the big California, goggle. the big yeah, the big goggle BG um, is no longer six nine. He is now six eleven. How did he grow two inches? You ask. Well, 
he went to a uh, chiropractor or he's been seeing a chiropractor, seeing a doctor. Uh, he's got a little bit of a hunch in his back and the doctor has been working with him and getting him straightened out. And, and now when he stands up straight, he's six foot 11. So Nebraska's adding a, uh, a six foot 11 forward instead of a six foot nine forward who can handle the ball, shoot the three, pass, do all the things Fred Hoiberg wants to do. So I thought that was just a funny little anecdote. Wasn't Hoiberg talking about him as being able to like run the point? Yeah, he was asked um, when we talked to him last, you know, who's going to be your point guard? He said, well, you know, we have Trey McGowan's, we have Kobe Webster, this, that, the other thing. Oh, we, you know, we could have Wilhelm Breidenbach bring the ball up too. He's been doing that for his high school team in California. And we all kind of went, oh, the, the 6'9 forward who's playing point guard for his high school team in California right now. So I, was I say right now, yes, yeah, now, now 6'11. I say now because California is playing their basketball season in the spring. So uh, Wilhelm's in the middle of his, of his senior season of high school ball. So once he fin- he'll finish that in the next couple of weeks, then pretty much come straight to Nebraska and dive right in. So just, a, I think a fascinating, this roster is like so interesting to me. Like there's just so many high level guys on it, I think. And what does that mean for the big 10? Who knows, but there's, there's going to be some competition in practice and there's going to be some, some intriguing guys and we'll see what it looks like uh, come November into November, beginning of December. So there you go. I'm going to go make a chiropractor appointment. Hopefully I'll be six foot by the time, yeah. uh, by the time summer's over. There you go. You got to get stretched out for the, for yeah. the summer months yeah. to come. Yeah. So exactly. maybe I'll join you. I can, maybe I can get to six foot too. My fellow, <laughs> my fellow sub six footer. So you keep dreaming. We'll keep, yeah, we'll keep dreaming. You can wish in one hand and you know what in the other and see which one fills up first. So on that note, we're going to wrap <laughs> this baby up. We'll talk to you guys next week. Um, it'll be me and Sipple next week. So this podcast may or may not get recorded next week. We'll see. I'm not real sure yet, but until then, we'll talk to you guys soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.